You're listening to Deep Dives with Sharks, a shark podcast focused on shark species, shark safety both for you and the sharks, and news from the past couple weeks. Sit back, relax, it's time to take a dive. Hello and welcome back my fellow Sharkiras to another episode of Deep Dives with Sharks. I am the host here, my name is Alex, you can also call me the Shark Fanatic if you like, or really anything and I will probably reply. But if it is your first time here, welcome in, we're happy to have you. And I want to give you guys a heads up that this is going to be a different style of episode than the typical ones that I do. So typically I do a shark at the very beginning, uh, then I cover shark safety, and then I'll do shark news at the end, just to kind of go over the structure. But this episode, it's going to be more of a rant. I'm going to be going over Shark Week versus Shark Fest to give you an idea of how I felt the events went this year. Now, these are all strictly my opinions. I am not paid or sponsored by either event. So Nat Geo, Discovery, anyone involved with the events, the researchers, the shark labs, the cameramen, anyone like that did not reach out to me, which I wish they would. That would be so cool. But None of them have reached out to me, tried to sway my opinion on this in any way. So it's all just coming from my brain, what I watched, everything like that. And they are opinions. They're not cemented in fact. Now, a quick spoiler alert. I do think that both the events did an overall good job, but fell short in a couple areas. So I'm not going to tell you not to watch one or the other. Uh, I enjoyed watching both and will probably do so again next year. Uh, that also means I'm not going to sit here and bash one event. Uh, or the other so I if you guys were hoping I would do that that's just not going to be the case and I apologize for disappointing you there but that's just not what I'm intending to do here I also wasn't able to watch every single program or even all the new ones for both Shark Week and Shark Fest due to work, life happening, and I was trying to get my ADHD under control, and I had to have about 27 appointments with different doctors just so I could focus. So I did miss some of the events, uh, but I did try to watch a lot of them, and just to follow up with that, I did finally get the meds right, so I should hopefully be more on schedule with the podcast as well, so things are looking up. But with that, we're just going to jump right on into it. I'm going to start with the event that I'm less familiar with as this was the first year I actually caught it on TV and we're just going to go into Shark Fest. Now a quick disclaimer about Shark Fest is that I struggle to find out when their new episodes will be playing and when old ones were on air. So there's a good chance I'm going to be talking about some older specials and I'll have to try to be more on top of it next year uh, if you guys want that again in the future. But to start off, give you a little breakdown, Shark Fest is about four weeks long, so you get a full month of shark content, which sounds incredible. It does feel calmer than Shark Week when you're watching the programs, and it feels like the programs about specific sharks are meant to showcase the beauty, but also about the attributes of the shark and the realism of what can happen with those sharks. Sharks are awesome, but you also got to be careful. It's kind of what I try to stress on here as well. There are two programs that I found myself watching as the shows changed, and they were Shark Attack Files and Shark Attack 360. Now, I was not a fan of the titles, just because, as I've explained previously on the podcast, uh, people get bit, uh, and it's pretty much just an incident. It's not really the shark having malice behind it. Attacks have malice behind it. I don't think any sharks ever sat there and been like, yeah, that guy's a jerk. He just deserves to get bit. So sharks don't really have that thought process. They're usually just trying to figure out what we are. So not a big fan of any show that uses the word attack, but of course you do have to pull people in. Attack's going to get more people to watch versus bite. So I do understand that there. So I'll give it a pass. I will say I loved watching these programs, especially Shark Attack 360. And I'm pretty much going to focus on the one episode that stood out really strong to me 
uh, when watching Shark Attack 360. Uh, and this one was talking about recent bites around the Australia bays and harbors. At first, it was just kind of talking about different bites that happened, and it didn't really seem too connected as it discussed a surfer who was bit, a swimmer, someone on a paddleboard, and pretty much the only thing that connected them at first was that they were all just in the water, which when you're trying to narrow down a shark bite for which species could have done it, when you're starting with they were in the water, that's 100% of the species. You're not really going to have a shark bite on land. There probably has been one somewhere. I just don't know of it. So typically they're in the water. But they did start to mention that there were some similarities between the bites. Uh, they all had two deep puncture wounds, but smaller bites around them or smaller teeth marks. So they were really able to eliminate a lot of the bigger sharks. They initially ruled out great whites, tigers, and bull sharks because the bites that they got from either pictures of the people or from the surfboards, wetsuits, anything like that, the bite patterns didn't match up with these larger sharks. It wasn't as big of a bite. So they did initially rule those out, which I think was a great thing to do. Because of course, when you're talking about Australia, you're going to get those big sharks all around you. And of course they do like you go there for cage diving and every shark week they're in Australia looking at so many different types of sharks. So it is something that I think it was neat that they were like, hey, we're not going to be talking about one of these huge sharks that are usually the focus of these events. We're actually going to be discussing a smaller, lesser known shark. Now, I just a little spoiler that I did do an episode on this shark already. And this one is one that some people, when I tell them about, uh, when I ask them to name a random shark so I can give them a shark fact, sometimes this one does come up, which I am always surprised about. But that's a little digression. I'll get back to it. But uh, they then dis began discussing the conditions which the bites occurred. Uh, they mostly occurred under low light, either around dawn or dusk. Or in the case of one child that was jumping off rocks around a cave, uh, they landed in the cave which had lower lighting. So that gave us really only one shark that it could be, which was the Wobegong, which I did cover in episode 12 if you want to hear more about that. They went into why these sharks were biting people more since 2018, uh, which was because their numbers had rebounded significantly. After Australian legislators put restrictions on fishing for these sharks, they were a favorite dish for fish and chips, but that had to be substituted because then they were a protected fish, so the fisheries couldn't go after wobegongs quite as much. Now, that did have some pretty big consequences, and consequences aren't always negative. Uh, so the consequence of that was that the number, I guess the cause and effect, we could say as well, since consequences do tend to have a negative connotation. But the cause and effect is they, they put the legislation in place, Wobegongs got protected, and their numbers finally rebounded significantly. So they were able to bounce back in incredible fashion. Now, with that, that means that in some Australian harbors, they are going to be laying on top of each other with how dense their population has gotten, which means you're probably going to be more likely to run into one. Now, this does not mean that if you're going to Australia anytime soon that there's a 100% chance you're going to get bit by a wobegong. Uh, the wobegong tends to not be territorial, only biting when they feel threatened. So in the case of these bites, they were intentionally, uh, unintentionally, sorry, jumped on, kicked, uh, anything like that. Like maybe you're swimming accidentally, like smacked them, and they just felt attacked, so they bit in defense. Now, it is a little bit harder to avoid Wobegongs as their numbers are increasing, uh, and they do have those dense populations, as I mentioned. But once again, you're more likely to probably just see one. It's going to 
probably hang out. Uh, and as I mentioned, they're not territorial. So the second you enter the water, they're not really going to give a bother unless you start stepping on them and stuff. So once again, as I always mention, just keep your head on a swivel. Try not to step on them, punch them, hit them, anything like that. Uh, kick them. If it happens, it's an accident. Uh, just try to stay vigilant because this is going to be the way you don't get bit by a Wobegong. Um, the good news is that they also did discuss how everyone made full recoveries. Um, I think the worst was a lady got bit somewhere on the lower leg, and I think it hit uh, – uh, my girlfriend who's in med school is going to hate that I, I'm going to say something like this. But it either hit like a tendon or a muscle or something like that that just made it so that way her balance was off, and unfortunately she now has to walk with a cane. Um, she was, I think, in her 50s or 60s, they said, uh, so it wasn't uh, someone that was – incredibly young that got bit but it is still a little like it's early to have a, a cane but she was making full recovery going to rehab everything like that and they thought that she'd be able to walk with that one in the future so it did show that even though this did happen that it didn't mean that it was the end of everything for them like everyone made a full recovery or at least was on the path to make a full recovery and it mostly was just a, a painful more i guess traumatizing incident as everyone adjusts to trauma differently um, so it would be, a, I mean, even if I got bit by a shark, it'd be a, like, I'd probably be a little skittish of the ocean or the Gulf a little bit. Um, I mean, I got bit by a sheep's head fish the other day and it scared the living daylights out of me. So they, it, it'll start you no matter what grabs you in the water. But overall, it was a cautionary program that celebrated the success of rebounding population of Wobegongs without spreading fear and showing you how to avoid it and trying to make sure that it wouldn't occur to you, which is great. Now, the other one that I want to talk about is shark attack files. Now, this one focused a little bit more on why bites occur and trying to calm the minds of swimmers. Now, this one focused on some larger sharks uh, and some that were fatalities as well. I remember they were talking to uh, this one friend of a surfer who um, actually uh, she was also now that I think about it, she was also a bite victim um, because her friend had gotten uh, I can't remember if her friend also got bit by a shark and that's why uh, she had passed away or if something else had happened, I can't exactly remember that detail. Um, but her friend had passed away and she was doing a sunset surf uh, in her honor and she was just going to be out there for half an hour and hit a couple waves, come back in, call the day, honor her friend. That's about it. Um, but what ended up happening is I believe she got bit by a tiger shark. Um, and of course they were interviewing her. So she was able to survive, which was great. Um, but they do kind of look at different things as well. A lot of the different factors, such as why men are more likely to get bit, why pregnant sharks are more likely to bite and how things like location, like if you're on a reef, if you're in the open ocean, things like that. Um, and I thought it was handled very well. Um, they handled each bite with a lot of like delicacy as it can be a really touchy subject, especially when you're talking to someone who lost a loved one or a friend or anything else, uh, even an enemy uh, to a shark bite. Uh, it, it's going to be an upsetting situation. Uh, I know that uh, people always say they wouldn't wish that on their worst enemy. I don't think I'd wish a shark bite on anyone. Um, I mean, I know I've jokingly said I'd give up a pinky toe uh, for a shark, but I, I mean... I still don't want to get bit by a shark. I think it'd be neat to see one. I don't I don't think anyone wants to get bit. But they look at why these bites occurred and what can be avoided in the future, very similar to what Shark Attack 360 did. Now, it is extremely helpful in keeping people safe and also opening their eyes to things. Um, a lot of bites do occur because of missing warning signs given by the shark. And I've discussed some of these on the safety segments before, uh, such as quick, rapid movements on the 
uh, part of the shark that is an aggressive behavior. Uh, swimming in a star pattern with you in the center, so like a star on the surface, so not like up and down star, but horizontal star. So if they're swimming away from you and coming back, that's a good sign that they're trying to bite you. Um, if they're eating, just probably a good time to leave them alone. Don't try to go after their food. Even the most timid of sharks uh, become frenzied around food. So if you are deciding it's a good idea to hand feed a shark, you want to be careful with that, first of all. But secondly, you don't want to like tease the shark as well. A lot of bites do occur because people like it's it's not hard to feed sharks from what I've heard. I've never done it myself. Um, but pretty much what I've seen is that like if you are hand feeding a shark, which first of all, you should have so many experts around you do not just go out in the ocean with some bread and be like, here, sharky, sharky. That's not a good idea. Um, that's probably a horrible idea, really. Uh, you shouldn't feed any fish in the ocean um, because that's how you stir up a little frenzy and then that's how bigger predators can come in because smaller frenzies lead to larger frenzies. So that's a little side note I do want to throw out there. But uh, a lot of times I'll see videos uh, where, like, I remember there was a couple years back, uh, this is me going off track again, but a couple years back uh, there was a little, like, preview for Shark Week, like a little... Um, like countdown to shark week type deal. And they were showing like, um, they pretty much had a, what's it called? The world's dumbest crew out there. And they were just talking about different shark videos about people being dumb around sharks, which I thought was kind of funny to watch, but at the same time, absolutely horrifying that they could make a full hour long show of world's dumbest based around people doing dumb things around sharks. And one of them was a guy who, first of all, he was diving with sharks in a speedo, which I'm not saying that you have to dive with sharks in complete chain mail. Um, but when you're going to be feeding sharks, I think a wetsuit minimum would be the best idea. And that's kind of for any diving situation. But he's down there, dive tank, speedo, you know, whatever. And he's feeding this uh, tiger shark, I believe it was. And he's moving his hand. But the thing is, your arm gets to a certain point, And you can do this as you're listening now as well. If you hold your arm straight out. And then you move to the side, you realize it's now going to a different direction. So at first, if you're moving your arm from left to right, it goes across that plane first until you run out of arm space. And then you think you're still going to the right, but now it's actually going backwards more because you've run out of space. So now you're on a diagonal and the shark sense through electronic pulses and things like that with the ampullae of Lorenzini. So as soon as he had that fish in front of the shark's mouth, he kept pulling it and it eventually went behind him. So the shark bit the next thing that it could find because it lost sight of the food, which was his arm, which if he just would have dropped the food instead of like getting it to go further, then it, you would have just swam away and not bit you most likely. So one of those things there, that was a huge digression. Sorry, but one of those things where it's like you want to be smart about what you're doing, um, especially for feeding sharks, things like that. They can get very territorial. And if you're teasing them with food, they'll bite you as well. Um, but the program going back to shark attack three or shark attack files, it did go into thorough detail looking into the events of what happened, what led up to it, uh, interviewing people. I will say that shark week had a similar event last year. Um, but they kind of went, it, it's almost like they went too in depth. I feel like shark attack files kind of went just the right amount where it's like, we're gonna give you the backstory. We're going to interview like their friends. Like there might be a tier or two, but Last year, I remember Shark Week, I had to turn it off because it was just upsetting. Um, they were talking about, like, different shark attacks that had occurred, and they went into, like, a whole, like, eulogy for one of the, the victims, which 
was it was almost like you were sitting at their funeral, which was just very upsetting, and I was like a little little too much. Uh, I do agree that it is a very sad moment, and we should honor the the victims of those who have unfortunately passed due to shark bites. But it's also one of those things that I feel that if you essentially televise a beach like viewing funeral anything like that for them that's a little too much like that should be something that's kept between like family and friends but that is my opinion some of you may feel very differently I just it it was off-putting last year when I saw it this year I feel that Shark Fest did a great job of being like yes this person was lovely they did this they did that unfortunately this happened and it's something that uh, as like and I really do love when the friends come together and they're like yeah it's something we still get together and like surf for them or we still do this or we still go to the beach like one of those things that like they still honor the thing that they loved even though this unfortunate event occurred but I will say uh one weird overarching theme was shark fest at least the times I had it on the background while doing schoolwork or cleaning or whatever else uh, was that it would suddenly go into how sharks mate now I know that I talk about that in a little bit on the podcast here. I usually talk about like if they're oviviparous, uh, oviviviparous, which means that they have eggs internally and then they hatch and then they do live birth if they just do live birth or if they just have eggs. So I usually talk about that. Uh, sometimes I'll talk about the gestation period, but I will say that I'm like typing a paper, listening about white tip reef sharks, and next thing I know, they're mating. And it was like every show for five shows straight. Like it's one thing if you're like, hey, we're going to cover this shark. But it just kept coming up. Like they'd be discussing like food and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, by the way, here's sharks mating. Like what in the world? That Where'd that come from? It just came from left field. It was rather confusing. Um, I will say that I probably didn't need that much. Like, it, And I forget the name of the show that I was watching. That I mean it could have been like that's just what they do every episode when they're just covering – the sharks, but it was one of those things that I had not seen on TV before. And then all of a sudden I just see sharks doing it. I was like, what in the world? But <laughs> that is, uh, I felt like shark fest did a great job showcasing the beauty power and the realities of living in this world with sharks. So I thought they did a pretty great job overall, but that's what I had for shark fest. And we're going to jump over into shark week. Same disclaimer that I gave earlier. I had to work during some of the episodes and I was doing schoolwork and taking care of my mental health, as I mentioned. So wasn't glued to the television for the entire week. Uh, I also forced myself to go on stupid walks for my stupid mental health. Cause you know, hot girl walks, they work. It's great. But shark week is only one week, uh, which in comparison, I feel that shark fest did go a little long with four weeks because by week four with shark week taking place in week three, I felt like I needed a break from sharks, which is a weird thing I didn't know I could feel, but it almost feels that they've oversaturated the market in a sense. Um, I'd say that uh, they also have these overlapping, which I know that they are competing for viewers, but I why not do one before the other? Like I'd love to get five weeks out of the summer to watch sharks uh, because they overlap. I have to choose and I want to watch both. I don't want to have to choose between one or the other. So the fact that they are competing for viewers when they have the same niche, you could easily get the same viewers that watched one to watch the other. And I'm not sure why they don't do that. I do think Shark Fest had to come out swinging with the four weeks because Shark Week uh, definitely had its... I'm really going to get confused with Shark Fest and Shark Week. <laughs> but Shark Fest had to bring four weeks because Shark Week, they had essentially the history. They had the background. Everyone knew what to expect coming out of Shark Week. 
So Sharkfest had to do something to stand out. That four weeks is probably one of those things. And also Shark Week brings the hype. Uh, they do a lot of excitement around it. Their programs showcase that as well as having big transition and huge reveals. Even if it's just a great white, which is the shark they cover the most, of course, through Air Jaws. Um, then they have uh, Air Jaws, the one that always comes to mind first. Uh, there's so many, um, like Killer Great White was another one I believe they had. Um, they've had so many, like you can find Great Whites so easily during Shark Week and Shark Fest. I will say that they are so much more prevalent during Shark Week. So if Great Whites are your favorite, Shark Week would probably be the one for you. But if you're looking to branch out and learn about other sharks, Shark Fest does a great job of that as well. And Shark Week as well, they do that too. So I'm not going to sit here and say Shark Week didn't do a good job of that. But I will say too, just going back to the, the scheduling, I feel like if one did theirs in June or July and the others did theirs in August, I don't think anyone sharked out by the end of the summer. Also, I feel like if they both captured like early June, early uh, July, like when people are getting excited to go to the beach and everything like that, I feel like that's when they're going to have the most success. And if they don't overlap, I feel like they're both going to get so many more viewers, but I think still they want to show the numbers and say, we beat shark week. We beat shark fest. We beat shark hoedown, whatever the, third event if there ever is one is but they it's all about the numbers they want to say that they won which is a weird one because i've noticed that they tend to overlap almost every year and it, it's weird to me but anyway i digress another weird thing uh that i wanted to mention off rip is that i noticed in a lot of the programs on shark week this year they showed off shark billies a lot more and i hadn't really i don't at least i don't remember hearing about those in previous shark weeks and for those of you that don't know, because I had to look it up because I thought that it was like a specific product, it's pretty much just a stick that keeps a shark away from you. Um, so you'll see them, especially on Shark Week. I'm realizing like as I uh, was like typing, I was like, I did see these all the time. It was just like, oh, yeah, that's just so that way they have like the GoPro close to the shark without getting their hand. But really all they did was they put a GoPro on the end of a shark billy, which can be really anything. It's essentially uh, they use softer ones so they don't injure the shark, but I mean, straight up, you could use anything like a piece of wood, piece of like a long, like a umbrella stand would work if it's as long as it's not sharp and you're not going to accidentally stab the thing. But don't stab sharks. It's not nice. But yeah, it's one of those things that I didn't really realize um, that they had a name until this year. So it was kind of neat to see, but it was kind of odd that they were like, yeah, make sure you have your shark billy. Make sure you have your shark billy. Do you have your shark billy? And I'm like, I've literally never heard this term used ever. Uh, but I've also never heard it used as much as it was this year. So, I mean, I guess if you're diving and the company offers you a shark billy or you bring your own, cool. Um, don't use it to club a shark, though, just to clarify. It is not to absolutely knock the crap out of a shark. It is quite literally, as I've mentioned in episode two, I believe, it's to guide the shark away from you. You don't need to punch, hit, kick, spit on, anything like that, a shark. You just need to guide them away from you. And usually you can do that by aiming for the gills. Uh, hammerheads are one of the easiest because their mouth is so low and set back and they have that huge hammer on their head. So you can literally just grab that and just move them to the side. Um, they are a powerful shark, so it's not going to be that easy, but... Once again, just guide them away from you. Don't start beating up a shark, anything like that. I'm surprised Mike Tyson didn't get bit when he was on Shark Week because he tried to punch a shark instantly. So thank God he missed. But once again, I'm going to be talking about a few programs, specifically uh, Serial Killer, Red Sea Feeding Frenzy, and Alien Sharks because I love Alien Sharks as a program and Monster Mako, although I missed Monster Mako this year and I have to find it somewhere to stream it, which is kind of sad. So I might update later on Monster Mako because I always have high hopes for that one. 
but I took extensive notes. Now, this uh, on Serial Killer, because I was just so irritated by this program. Now, everything else, I kind of put like light notes in my phone while I was watching and relaxing, because um, once again, this is just kind of a hobby I do. I wish it was a job I could do, but as of right now, we're just kind of hanging out, having fun, talking about sharks, and that's a fun thing for me. So I was like, let me just take some light notes, talk about it on the podcast, because people want to hear this, which is awesome, and thank you again for wanting to hear about this. But it was one of those things that I just got so incredibly irritated by this program. And I want to start talking about this program by saying I did recently also find an Eddie Burback video on YouTube. Uh, I believe it was titled Shark Week's Insane Programming. And it was based on the Serial Killer series. And a lot of his points made sense because I don't know why they made this show. I'm going to be very straight up. Um, I'm also taking uh, some of these points from Eddie uh, because I also didn't realize some of it. And then when I saw it, I was like, there's no way. But the serial killer, excuse me, the serial killer series is horrible in so many ways. Starting off, it is so highly edited, and the host is actually a professional dog trainer. So I don't really understand how dog training equates to getting in the water with sharks. But he's offering opinions on shark behavior and calling shark serial killers on national TV, and I don't understand how that is not fear mongering. It felt like the show just followed this white dude on his travels to Egypt where he found that people were getting bit and was like, hey, get some B-roll of me sitting on this rock over here by the water. Isn't that cool? But the production looked great if a college student made it. Uh, There was so much room for improvement on this show. Like if one of my friends back in college told me that they were working on the shark project and they wanted me to watch it, I'd be like, man, that looks amazing. But the fact that this was shown on Shark Week that was so heavily edited Uh, to the point that I could not tell if it was CGI or not. And I also want to make it clear that, like, the first time I watched it, like, I had a drink or two because I was, like, winding down after work, you know. Made myself a little drink. Why not? But it came on the next day when I was watching, and I was stone sober for that, and it it didn't make any more sense. It made the same amount of no sense, which is a weird way to say it didn't make sense. There we go. We got there. But it focused on oceanic white tips, which I had to look more into to see if they truly are aggressive as the show made them out to be, which unfortunately, uh, they're not as, well, I guess fortunately they're not as aggressive as the show made them to be, but they are territorial and do act aggressive towards humans. But it is rather easy to avoid them, which the show did not communicate in the slightest. They focus on the fact that there are a large presence of oceanic white tips close to the shore in Egypt, which, doing my own research, is because there's steep drop-offs closer to the shore than in other locations, so their habitat is naturally closer to the shore in Egypt. It's that simple. Instead, they made it sound like that the sharks are just coming up to the beach and biting people just for fun. They're not doing that. They're in their habitat, but the issue is... They mentioned that if you travel 100 yards from the beach, so if you're out snorkeling, it's not that hard to get 100 yards away, you reach the drop-off, and then you're in open ocean, thus oceanic white tip territory. And I put open ocean in quotes because you're still near the drop-off, but you still can get to the open ocean from the shores of Egypt really quickly, which is oceanic white tip territory. They are very quick to investigate and bite, so it's best not to snorkel in an aggressive area, kind of like how I mentioned previously, If there's a lion that hasn't eaten in a while and it's notorious for biting people and eating people, you wouldn't slather yourself in barbecue sauce and go see him. You shouldn't go swim out into oceanic white tip territory if you know that they're going to bite you. So it's just they probably bite the most amount of people. But the thing is, or at least per sites to bite, I'd say that the oceanic white tip bites more people. But of course, 
Tiger sharks, great whites, those get more bites because they tend to be also closer to shores and more populated areas. But that's a whole thing I can go into a little bit later if you'd like. But instead of informing the locals not to go so deep and they won't get bit, they go into blaming global warming for moving these sharks, which could be a factor, as I talked about in the last episode. Global warming has moved sharks closer to shore due to their food source moving to shore as well. But they didn't provide any ways to keep you safe or prevent a bite. All they did was they pretty much just ended the show by saying, humans have ruined the ocean, but there is hope. Where's the hope? You didn't provide any hope. You just did an hour-long show stating oceanic white tips are going to bite you and it's our fault. There's no hope in that. You made it sound like oceanic white tips have made a series of breathing apparatus to go on land and hunt humans. And yes, I stole that joke from the other guys, the Will Ferrell movie, but it's what they made it sound like. I was like so irritated. I had to like get up off the couch and like walk around. I was so mad. I was like, you literally just came in here, said, we've ruined the ocean. Great job, guys. But don't worry, there's hope. And we're like, okay, cool. What's the hope? And then they did not go into any more detail. What do you mean? (laughs) So I will say I did learn something from this, though. I initially was under the uh, impression that no shark is aggressive towards humans, that all of them just are existing and we get a little close, things like that. You bump into sharks, they sometimes bite. I did not realize that they were called the shipwreck shark as they have bitten survivors of shipwrecks and plane crashes. So they are aggressive, but I do need to do more research to see how to defend yourself against things like that uh, because the show taught me nothing in that department. And when I was doing my research, I wanted to not fearmonger further. So I'm not entirely sure how to avoid oceanic white tips other than don't go into their area. But I'm pretty sure it's going to be very similar to the same things. All the bites that they showed that were CGI were pretty much people taking their eyes off the shark. Uh, and then turning their back to them, just trying to like swim away from it, which is why you're always supposed to back away slowly while keeping eye contact because sharks tend to be ambush predators. I believe oceanic white tips also will fall under that. But as I mentioned, I need to do an episode on them still. So there's a lot of research to be done. But once again, stay vertical, uh, keep your eye on them because every bite that they showed in that show uh, were all from behind. One was on the shoulder. I think that one was an actual video where the guy tried to swim deeper while the oceanic white tip was right around him which is an odd move in my opinion but he got bit on the shoulder there uh someone else was swimming and then they just uh, looked away this was a really bad cgi one i'm pretty sure uh but then they got bit on the back of the leg um like on the calf and that one uh, was unfortunate too but that one it seemed like none of his diving buddies in the cgi were watching his back either um oh also another thing to mention about shark uh, or serial killer is that the host talks about how he had his own terrifying encounter with a shark, uh, and his terrifying encounter was he was cage diving and the shark bit his cage. Do you know how often that happens? Very frequently. So after the shark bit the cage, he got out of the water, and then he turns around and looks, and the shark is biting the cage again. He goes, look, there he goes again. He's, he's losing it. It's a shark. It, it, it's investigating the cage. What do you mean this guy? And then his partner just also does not make any sense. The whole show just irritated me. I feel like it did nothing but just spread fear about sharks and pretty much explain that if you go in the ocean, you're going to get bit, which it's such a small number that occurs. And it's, it's so unfortunate, but 
I'm going to stop ranting about that show before I, I pop a blood vessel. My goodness, I'm going to go on to Alien Sharks, which I set it up this way because I knew that talking about that show was going to irritate me again. So we're going to go into Alien Sharks, which I thought they did a phenomenal job this year. Now, for those of you that don't know, I know I've discussed it briefly before, but Alien Sharks are just deep sea sharks that look like aliens uh, pretty much. A great example is the frilled shark. They look really creepy looking. Ghost shark, goblin shark, mega mouth. Any of those sharks that look incredibly weird. Uh, Greenland shark as well. Um, I think they are awesome, all of them. But they do look very odd. Uh, and that's why they get the name alien sharks because surviving in the deep ocean, you have to have these really strange adaptions that we don't typically see in a Mako, a great white, a hammerhead, anything like that, which surprisingly hammerheads aren't considered alien sharks because we just see them so frequently that we're used to seeing that shape. But I mean, imagine seeing that for the first time, you'd be absolutely wild. But Alien Sharks always does a great job introducing new sharks, and they did a really good job introducing ones that I actually wasn't really familiar with this year. Uh, they focused on a few sharks, such as the Shy Shark, the Pajama Cat Shark, and the Wedgefish, which I hadn't heard of before, uh, and they actually focused the whole episode on trying to find the Wedgefish, uh, but it kind of looks like a smaller sawfish, so if you guys have seen those, um, and of course this is only on camera, I haven't seen one in person, so I'm not sure if that actually... Uh, is a smaller version if they're about the same size but they kind of have that like diamond shaped head and then they have the uh, long rostrum on the front but they also looked at seven gills uh, so seven gill sharks and their declining numbers due to being hunted by orcas which i don't like orcas because they just murk seven gills and great whites and other sharks for their liver and nothing else they're also able to remove the liver with insane precision and leave all the other organs which is creepy and nuts so um yeah i don't like orcas they they terrify me uh but they are also attributing a lot of seven gill shark deaths to two specific orcas named Port and Starboard uh, because they are, I believe they paired up and are just hunting sharks left, right, and center, uh, which I thought was rather neat. But also, uh, it, it's crazy how intelligent those animals are. I don't, I don't like it. But I did get to learn a lot about the broad-nosed seven-gill shark and their beauty and the way that they interact. And it was just the, kind of the perfect episode of of what I wanted, where I want to go in there. It's kind of why I made this podcast. I want to see more about sharks. I want to learn more about them. I want to see what they can do. I want to learn the habitat they're in. I want to see them swimming and do everything like that and then go on about my day. I don't want to hear about the 27 people that just got bit. It is a part of sharks, but it, it's just it's just it's a lot when the entire event is just look at this person that got bit and that person got bit and this thing got bit and it's like okay like air jaws is kind of cheesy to me uh but i do love it because it's cheesy in the sense that they're like having a competition but it's not so cheesy of like phelps versus shark um which is also going to go into my next point where they kind of went overboard on celebrities like we all knew going into it michael phelps was not going to beat a shark and, of course, they're not going to put an actual shark in the water next to Michael Phelps. That's incredibly dangerous. Um, and, of course, they didn't really explain how they were going to do it. So everyone that I talked to was like, I at least thought they'd have them in two separate pools or something. But I'm like, they also haven't been able to keep a great white in captivity. So, I mean, they, they could have done, like, any other type of shark we have in captivity and just had them swim from one, like, target to the other side. But they had to make it interesting. So they had the shark just kind of like meander for like the 30 meters until like the last like five and then just dart and the shark won. Surprise, surprise. But with that, I will say that Air Jaws does show the beauty of the sharks. 
has them uh, jump and they like keep track of like who had the highest breach and like what the best way to capture the breaches are. So I remember last year they had um, three different methods. They had one where they had a drone. Uh, there was one where they had the guy uh, pulling a seal decoy. And I believe there was one where they had Dickie Chevelle, which God, I love Dickie Chevelle. That guy is insane. He is so great. Um, I swear if he and Devin Masson ever make a shark, I'm so into shark week. I'm familiar with the people that pop up on it all the time, but if uh, Devin Masson and Dickie Chevelle ever make a program together for shark week, I'll probably pass out. Like I'll be so excited. They're two of my favorite videographers when it comes to shark films. Uh, Devin did uh, monster Mako in the past and Dickie's done air. Dickie's pretty much done everything on shark week. You usually find him. He's the guy with the uh, longer blonde hair, uh, he is, you'll, if you saw a picture, you definitely, if you watch Shark Week, you've seen Dickie Chevelle. But I will say I was excited to see that Shark Week cut back on the amount of celebrities this year because last year they had Tiffany Haddish in a show, uh, the stars of Jackass, Dude Perfect had a show, and they were neat, but you kind of just put a celebrity near a shark and called it a day. Like, of course they're going to freak out. They don't work around sharks. Like, I get more excited when I see actual shark researchers who are sitting there and they're losing their mind over the shark that you don't see very often. I don't really get that excited when Tiffany Haddish is like, what's going on over here? There's a shark. Like, yeah, you're on Shark Week. It'd be a really bad program if we just put you in the ocean and that was it. Uh, But it's one of those things that, like, I do get it drives up the hype, and that's why they have the host. So Jason Momoa, I think he did a good job this year. I feel like The Rock did a better job. I appreciated uh, The Rock's interjection last year more uh, because I felt that he was more educational with it, or at least the bits that I saw last year, um, where he'd come in and explain how the Hawaiian culture uh, fit in with sharks and how they uh, appreciated sharks and sharks were even considered at a certain point to be uh, some of their gods, I believe. Uh, I know that they had, I believe, like uh, hammerheads or tiger sharks were like the god of the sea or something like that, or they were in some way um, seen as like holy figures and they were seen as the balance and uh, just like they had so much respect for it. And I, I love, I'm actually getting chills just remembering it right now. But it was one of those things that I thought was just so cool. And this year they kind of dialed that back. Uh, they had kind of Jason Mode doing more like fun bits to get people like and more family oriented things, get people involved. Uh, like one of the things he did was having shark trivia against kids and the loser had to stick their head in a bucket of chum, which of course we all knew that uh, they're not going to make the kids do that. But Little kids might not. So, of course, they get excited, like, oh, my goodness, like, this might happen. And afterwards, I was just like, that that was corny. But, I mean, I did appreciate, like, in the moment, I was like, this is stupid. But it, it, looking back, I, I do appreciate it because it's one of those things that it's just it, – it, it's hard to put words to because it's just – it's fun. That's all it is. It's just supposed to be fun. It's not supposed to be educational in this moment. I mean, it can be a little bit um, by doing, like, light trivia. Of course, I'm a host of a shark podcast, so I feel like I have – a little bit more knowledge about sharks, at least from doing this. Um, and I'm not saying I came in with that. I already did a bunch of research before, but with each episode, I'm learning more about sharks. So of course, shark trivia would be somewhat easy for me. So when it's against like 10 year olds, it's clearly not meant for the 26 year old who is watching to be challenged. <laughs> so it's one of those things that it was supposed to be meant so that the kids could easily beat him. So he'd be the one to stick his head in chum. So it was a fun thing at the moment. I was like, this is dumb and too easy, but also I need to like take a step back and realize not every program is designed for me. So it's one of those things that I kind of had to like take a step back and be like, you know, what? this was actually a fun bit. I'm glad they didn't just have a celebrity on screen to just yell and scream and do whatever. And he was also super excited to be there. And I love the energy he brought this year. 
Um, and I feel like they, I, I love that they're going in a certain direction where they're actually trying to get people who come from these cultures uh, to express what it was like growing up in these, I mean, unless I got bamboozled by Shark Week, which is possible, but I do believe that they do at least come from these cultures and they can explain what it was like growing up around this culture that uh, has this relationship with sharks and it's very neat because it's an insight that you don't typically get. Um, but I didn't feel like I learned too much from Jason, but I did appreciate all the fun of it. Now, just to go back to comparing both of them, it is a little bit difficult because, of course, they have very different styles and different approaches. Uh, Shark Week has so much more hype because it's also only a week, so it's it feels like a party from the second you're watching. Uh, they are like the intros to shows are full of energy. Like it only feels like the the second you get a break from that energy is when they skip to a commercial. Um, but even so, they leave you on a cliffhanger, and then when you come back, like you you are locked in. So Shark Fest is also at a disadvantage in the hype department uh, because Shark Week has been around longer, and also it's hard to keep that hype for a four-week span. So they do have to kind of come in with that calmer, like, hey, we're going to tell you about sharks. You're going to learn about this neat thing that happened. We're going to look at a couple things here, how to keep you safe. And it's not going to be as, like, air horns blaring, sharks doing backflips, like, everything like that. Uh, you will see shark breaches and things like that, but you're mostly going to see sharks interacting in their natural habitat, doing what sharks do. Now, Shark Week is also everyone's go-to when you think about a TV block dedicated to sharks. I don't, I, I feel like if I ran a poll, uh, and pretty much everyone I've talked to as well, when I'm like, hey, like, uh, like there's going to be like, everyone asks me how Shark Week's going, or if I'm like, hey, like, are you going to be watching Shark Week or Shark Fest? Everyone's usually like, what, what in the world is Shark Fest? So not that many people know about Shark Fest, or if they do, uh, they probably have the same idea that I did previously, which is that it's just the knockoff of Shark Week, which it, I think it was initially created to compete with Shark Week, but I feel like it's done a great job spreading that conservation method. So it, it's just one of those, those things that it's, it's great. I feel like people should watch more of it. But Shark Week is also everyone's go-to when you think about it, and the viewership won't drop no matter what they put on. So they don't have to watch their wording as closely as Shark Fest does, which is why uh, they'll be quick to say someone got attacked rather than bit. I have seen a couple episodes of Shark Week where they have kind of corrected people from saying attacked to bit, and it's been something that they're trying to move towards, but once again, it feels like as the years go on, um, they're kind of moving back to just attack because that's been the coin term. Um, but I feel like calling any shark a serial killer is reckless uh, because, yes, sharks can be jerks the same way that cats, dogs, humans, lizards, aliens probably as well. Uh, I mean, anything can be a jerk, really. Like, everyone's had a dog that you're hanging out with or whatever, trying to pet, and then all of a sudden it, like, grumbles at you for no reason. You're like, where'd that come from? But it's the same thing. Like, some sharks are going to be jerks. Uh, like, you can't pet every dog. Not every shark's going to want to interact with humans or other fish or anything like that. I mean, there's it's been documented octopus punch fish for no reason. Like, every animal can be a jerk, and sharks are included in that. So it is possible that you did absolutely nothing wrong. You followed all the safety tips you've heard on this podcast, on TV, on the Internet, everywhere. Like, shark experts themselves have told you to your face, do this, that, this. And the shark still bites you for some reason. So it is possible that a shark can be a jerk, but calling it a serial killer when you didn't even prove it's the same shark that is biting people. And sometimes they call them a serial killer when they haven't even killed anyone. Like someone just got bit and they're like, oh, the serial killer strikes again. Like that's, it didn't kill. It's it's still alive. The, the person is, so is the shark. But it, it just is one of those things that I feel was reckless and just it's going to bring up more fear 
and it's just a wild name to have for an episode and the fact that they brought it back is so crazy but i feel that shark fest wants you to come vibe they want you to learn about sharks and to protect yourself find yourself in dangerous situations so i feel like it's good but shark week wants to be excited about sharks through programs like air jaws monster mako and alien sharks they bring that energy and they want you to have it the entire time I would say that overall, both events still bring that shark conservation message well, but I feel that at least for the programs I caught this year, SharkFest did a better job of not bringing more fear around sharks. And when I say that, I'm just saying of the ones that I caught. I don't know if I caught all the new ones, and there probably were some in there that did have some some horror messages in some way. But Shark Week often will start by drawing people in with a scary title, such as Horror Cruise, which they had a few years back, which I'm not sure if that was the actual title, but everything I type in just keeps going back to that kid who jumped off the boat in the Bahamas, which I also don't think was a bright idea. And very sorry to him and his family and everyone affected by that. Um, but they want people to tune in expecting to see some horrible, horrible thing that occurred where an entire cruise ship just got taken down by sharks or something. But essentially the story goes that a passenger fell off a cruise ship and got killed by a shark because the crew of the ship had been dumping leftover food overboard, which attracts more sea life to follow the boat, which then attracts bigger uh, animals to follow. So it, essentially we're chumming the waters and then you have an accident where someone falls overboard and it's going to end horribly. Uh, that also uh, went into how it hasn't happened since that event because of different laws that came in. So it kind of brings up that like, oh God, like this happened, but here's the hope. Uh, unlike the other one where it's like humans were in the ocean, but there's hope. Figure the hope out on your own. So <laughs> this one at least gave you the, like why it happened and how it could be prevented and what they've done to prevent it since then. So I would like to see that conservation message shine brighter in Shark Week next year and also spread the events out. You can be hyped for sharks in June and July and August without them all taking place at the same time. But that's the thoughts I had on this year's Shark Week and Shark Fest. To reiterate, I think both did a great job uh, but took some odd turns. And I think the programs I saw in Shark Fest had the better conservation method, but I don't think Shark Week went in the wrong direction, just kind of more of a sideways direction than backwards, if that makes sense. But of course, be sure to follow along on the social media pages at Deep Dives with Sharks on Instagram. Make sure you capitalize the first letter of Deep Dives with Sharks. should find me there and Deep Dive Sharks on Twitter. Same thing with the capitalization. Uh, thanks for listening. Give us a rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any other platform that allows ratings. Uh, leave a comment if you'd like. I know on Spotify I do always throw up a which shark would you like to hear next, but you can also uh, give me one about safety topics, news stories, uh, or if there's just a topic you want me to cover, if you want another rant style like this feel free to uh, send that over to me as well thank you guys for listening so much i'm so happy to have you here and i'll see you in the next one